Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Well, you know, as I was just reflecting and, and thinking about it, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, and I was going to have my wife, I know y'all probably aren't used to her leading worship. It's been a long time as well. But there was an old song that I grew up on, Tom. Matt Redman wrote it. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And, and I was trying to convince her to pull that one out. And she's like, no way, Michael, I'm not doing it. Does anybody remember that song? Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? You give and take away. Well, the whole premise of that song is taken off of the book of Job. You know, if you remember much about Job's story, the Lord had blessed him. He had a family. He had everything. I mean, it looked like everything was going his way. But then the enemy came and said, oh, it's because you won't allow anything bad to happen in his life. It's because you won't allow anything to touch what you have blessed him with or, or privileged him with. And, and so God, God allowed, as the story unfolds, so to speak, for the enemy to touch some of the things that, that had been blessed in his life, his family, his wealth, his possessions. And, but yet the idea continues that Job would be able to say this in chapter 1, verse 21. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But in the end, this is what Job would come to. He would start here, and he would end here. Is that may the name of the Lord continue to be praised. I mean, no, that's not always easy, though. It's not always easy to choose to have a posture of, God, you know what? Things are not going well right now. I did not think this would be happening in my life. I did not think I would be here. I did not think this would be happening in my kids' life or in my family's life or in my relationships or I thought I would be further along in in financially, so many different ways. But yet at the end of it all, whether we have a lot or a little, we can say, God, would your name be praised? And I think that this this is one of the secrets that Paul would talk about, that he had learned That as he writes to the Philippians, I love this passage. If you would just turn with me, Philippians 4. And this is just kind of setting up a little bit of what I want to talk about this morning. Bruce, I'm going to hop around, but I'm going to try to control it. We'll see if it'll go there. You got it. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last... You renewed your concern for me. So Paul right now, this is one of his letters that he is writing. Uh, he's not in the greatest of places. <laughs> uh, he, is, he has been in chains for the gospel, but yet he's writing to one of the few churches that have been faithful to come alongside him and supporting him. Do you guys know how many missionaries you guys are standing with and church planters? And it's over 35 every single month. That's to, be, that's to be applauded. And this is, what, this is the exchange that Paul is having with one of his churches that has been faithful to support him. He says, I rejoice greatly that you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This is the secret. Paul is talking about Thanksgiving, and I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And this is the verse that we always hear quoted, but little time is it taken within its context. 
I can do all things through Him who gives me that strength. Paul is talking about having the ability to weather whatever storm or situation he is in, whether I have a lot in my life or whether I have little. I believe that through thanksgiving, Paul had learned the posture of contentment. To me, contentment is thanksgiving all grown up. It is in its maturity. It is the ability to say, God, I have learned how to be thankful whatever situation I'm in, for whatever I'm going through, because I have truly learned the spiritual secret of contentment of God, whether I have little or whether I have a lot. You see, Thanksgiving isn't about how much you have to be thankful for, but it's having a perspective of being thankful for everything that you do have. And I think so often it's so easy for me, uh, it's so often, it's so easy for us in our culture to, to see the things that we don't have. I, I'll be honest, I walk into my house, I'm very type A, I'm very driven, I'm very, I, got, I like organization, I like, and I like it in every area of my life. I wish it was just at work or maybe just at home, I don't know, but it's, it's in every area. And so when I come home, I'll immediately, I'll see some of the things that I'm like, oh man, I got to pick up here. I need to clean up here. And that can be really bad for a marriage. Let me just mention that. That can be really bad for kids. They're like, we just spent an hour picking up. Are you kidding me? And dad's going to come home. Like, these are the words I hear. They're like, why are we even picking up anyways? Dad's going to do it as soon as he gets here. But sometimes we'll step into situations and we'll see all the things that aren't, right? We'll see all the things that are not going the way we wanted them to. We'll see all the things that we wish were different. We'll see all the things that we don't have instead of the things that have been done, instead of what God has blessed us with, instead of what we can be thankful for. You know, and Paul, I think as he's writing this, he continues to go on and you got to remember, he's the one that said it was more blessed to give than to receive. And so look at what he says to the Philippians in verse 14. He says, yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. So not only did they share with him financially and what he's doing, but he's saying you are sharing with me in the hard times that I'm going through by you being a partner, by you joining me in what I'm struggling in. You have shared in my trouble. He says, but moreover, you Philippians know that in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. They have received, they are giving, there's this transaction. And he's using a language here that was used in the common day commerce of, of his day. This is a transaction, right? It's happening, it's give and take. There, there's mutual benefits. And Paul is saying, you're the only ones that participated in this receiving from me and giving to me, in, in this, in joining me together, that there was no difference in what you had and what I had and what I was going through and what you were going through. We were one in this. And so he goes on and he says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And I love this. Not that I desired your gifts, but what I desire is that you would be credited to your account, that you would be blessed. And there's something that we sometimes can rob others around us from the blessing that God has from them maybe due to our pride from being willing to ask when we need help. Uh, maybe from, I'll be honest, like there's, there's been times that our family, we've been overwhelmed, but we, we didn't want to ask it. This is, hey, we brought this on ourselves. We said, these are our decisions. This is what we're stepping into. But what is happening is that we isolate ourselves 
and then don't allow others to, to then step into what is considered the body of Christ and being that body in the relationship of giving and receiving. And it's hard. I don't know about you. It's hard to ask for help. I'm pretty proud that I want to be self-sufficient, right? That's the American way that we can do it ourselves. But it's not always God's way because he always puts us in positions where we have to depend on him ultimately, right? That we have to complete, God, if you don't do it, I don't know how it's going to happen. And that we then have to rely on his people. That we have to rely on him and rely on him even through the people that he's put around us. And that's humbling. But that's where we receive grace. You remember the verse, right? God, God does what to the proud? Right? He's at arm's length distance. He cannot extend his favor when, we're, when I'm walking in pride. When I'm saying, no, God, I can do it myself and just buckle up a little bit tighter and just hunker down or whatever it may be. Emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. But God's saying, no, I didn't create you to be that way. I created you to depend on me. And I'm putting you in situations and I'm allowing certain circumstances to even happen so that you can experience my grace. And grace, while it is that unmerited favor that we would get as a, as a textbook definition, it is so much more. It is an exchange of giving and receiving with others. And I think Paul understood that the context of gratitude and ultimately what could come back around and be given to praise to him had to be understood in the context of community. It had to be understood in the context of not isolation and not in the Lone Ranger mentality, but in doing it together. And so why do we gather around a big table? Or, or typically, if, if, it's, if it's the picturesque pilgrims and Indians, right? It's, it's the big spread, and we do it across from one another, and we do it in community, and we, because Thanksgiving should not be given in isolation, but should be understood as an exchange of giving and receiving with those around us. And I'm not talking about a meal, I'm talking about a life. I'm talking about a life that we live. I heard a pastor uh, say it a few weeks ago. I was at a, a Fox Toyota up in Anderson County, up your way, uh, David. And um, they, they have devotions every Monday with their staff. And uh, a pastor was up there and he was saying, you know, I've heard about Thanksgiving, but what about Thanksgiving? And so that was his whole devotion. It was about Thanksgiving, David. And, um, but but there's, there's some truth to that. It's not a day of the year. It is a posture of the heart that we then live in our lifestyle. That we live out a life of gratitude and reflection on what He has given us. And sometimes it's not always what's right in front of us, but who He's connected us to, who He's put in our lives, who He's asking us to, to humbly be willing to accept help from and experience His grace. And so in verse 18, I have received full payment, He says, and have more than enough. And I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I'm going to come back to that phrase. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, right? Here we go. We love the, we love the I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? That's our Lone Ranger verse. I can do all. I can do. What, have you, are you learning to live in lack and, and a lot? Are you learning to do it in community? That whatever you have, that you're doing it in exchange with those that God's put around you? And then here it is again, and my God will meet all my needs. Yeah, he sure will. Maybe by the people sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you. He will. He will meet all your needs. 
if we will walk in humility and be willing to accept his grace through his body. That's the gratitude that we get to express in this moment, in this place that God has put us, is that, Lord, I can receive from you because I'm going to walk humbly before you. And I'm going to link arms with my brothers and my sisters that he's put around me. There's few things that the Lord will truly do in our life that will be that will get us to another place of His grace and understanding and favor and it be in isolation. It will be together because it will require us to be dependent upon Him and dependent on on His people. His grace. His grace is sufficient. It is. And it's what we receive when we, we say, Lord, what are you doing around me? And then ultimately to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so it's, it's these gifts right here at the end of this verse. I love it. This, this, this divine exchange that's happening between Paul and the churches that he's planted. It's this divine exchange that's occurring that he's saying, ultimately, guess what it's going to do? Your gifts, they're going back as what? As worship. They're, they're a fragrant offering. They're an acceptable sacrifice. They're the things that are pleasing to God. And I believe Paul receiving them is the same. This exchange of, as he calls it, the receiving and the the giving, this is an act of worship, of of stewardship, of what I have is not mine. It's only been entrusted to me. And then what I'm receiving, I receive as a gift, as as grace. This is worship. That Lord, everything we have, we receive from you. Everything I have, Lord, it is to be used by you. As Paul would say, he would say it is from you and it is through you and it is back to you. May that be all things. You've probably, if you've heard me say it before, uh, this to me is a a plumb line of all theology. This is where we can get tripped up on on different different views of God, here I am, I'm coming to you is is the Santa Claus in the sky or or a, a name it and claim it theology. So many different things. If it doesn't come from him and if it doesn't go through him and ultimately if it doesn't go back to him, I don't believe it meets the plumb line of good theology. And we can see this in so many areas where we get off that, Lord, it's got to come from you and it ultimately has to go through you and it's all back to you. Back to you be all praise and glory. And this is gratitude that allows us to be able to posture our hearts to accept his grace and his favor by those that he has put around us. The proverb, can you find uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five? I think I put it back there, Bruce, but I skipped ahead as I'm known to do. And the proverb, I love, I love what this says. I love what the, the proverb writer would say. He says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. This is, this is like wisdom 101. Those who want to be blessed, if you want to walk in blessings, then walk in a, in a lifestyle of looking to bless others. If you want to receive help, then don't be so focused. And, and I was talking to one of my staff members this week. We're doing our annual reviews right now. And uh, I think those are so much fun. But for some reason, none of my staff members think they're fun. And, um, and Mook, I think I'm a great boss. I don't think they should be intimidated, but... So they come in and I'm like, we're talking about emotional health. Somehow we got on that, to- that topic of uh, EQ, emotional intelligence and all these things. And, uh, you know, not everybody emotionally grows up. Not everybody actually matures. It's not based on your age, right? It's based on how you respond to the things that happen in your life. 
And so I'm talking to this, this young girl about it. And, and, and so much, I think, of what we do in life can be so, na- we can just kind of focus on ourselves. We can be those navel gazers. We can get so easily tripped into the, not just woe is me, but how am I growing? Be so introspective. And, and I'm all about some good self-reflection. I'm all about meditation, but meditation on the scripture, because that's the mirror we look into and are transformed. Not the mirror of looking at ourselves and then picking out the things that we don't like, because that's not empowered by the Spirit. The difference is that when we look at the scripture, the Spirit can illuminate the Word of God and can show us what Jesus looks like in every instance and and related to the things that He wants to deal with. So we come to Him and we say, Lord, how do we come and transform ourselves, not by looking at us, but by looking at you. Lord, how do I walk out this life as Jesus would live? By blessing others, not by focusing on what I need, not by focusing on what, God, God, I know you're going to do that. I was at uh, working at the Dream Center in, in Los Angeles, and I remember Jim, uh, Jim Baker um, had come out there after his fall. And I don't know if y'all know much. Anybody remember Jim Baker, Tammy Faye, Tammy Faye all that? Had, had TV stations. I remember going to the facility outside of Charlotte, huge mega uh, facilities that millions of dollars had paid for, but he'd gotten caught in some different things financially and, and uh, he was broken, a broken man. And he came out to LA uh, because Tommy Barnett was a good friend of his and decided, we wanna help you rehabilitate. But he wallowed for weeks in his room, literally sliding food underneath the door. And they finally got to, they're like, Jimmy, you got to come out, buddy. You're not going to find a healing in there. And they're, they're all about, you know, find, find a need and, and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. But they believe that if, if, in order to overcome some of the things that we're facing, it's not going to take just honing in and focusing on them until we pick it all apart, but it's going to be getting ourselves lost in someone else's hurt and problems and helping them find the, the, the purpose and the plan that God has for their lives and watch then how God begins to heal us. And watch then how God begins to bring our dreams and passions into fruition. Not by focusing on how I can make it happen, but by getting lost and blessing someone else and helping someone else. Those are the ones that are blessed. Those are the ones that are helped. And so when we take this as a posture of thanksgiving done in community that I'm giving and receiving, we can see that the maturity of that is contentment. I'm content in all things, whether I have a little or a lot, whether there is a lot of family gathered around my table with a big spread, or Lord, you've been so good. I bless these noodles today. <laughs> you know, that's life sometimes. But the American dream kind of warps that a little bit of contentment in all things, of gratitude and thanksgiving, of being focused on what I can do to help someone else. Man, these were all the freebies. This was all my my intro here. (laughs) These are just some of the things that as I was praying this week, Lord, what are you teaching me about gratitude and thanksgiving? What is it, Lord, that your spirit is even saying to us in the church in this hour? And I wanna transition just a little bit and talk a little bit about what are the hallmarks of gratitude? How can we recognize it and then maybe even respond in such a way to, to, um, to hallmark gratitude in our lives. And I'm not talking about hallmark movies. I know some of you guys are already watching them. Randy probably is recording the new ones that are just coming out, like my daughter is. I, the hallmark movies are good, Randy. I've been watching some too. Maybe you haven't, but I have. So I'm talking about what, what earmarks gratitude. Just think about it for a minute. 
Thanksgiving, gratitude. What, what does that really look like? Have you ever been, I can, pin, I can pinpoint the people that I know are always negative. I can tell you about the, you know, the negative Nancys and the Sourpuss Sallys, or I'm sorry if you're Nancy or Sally in here, but the negativity is what I can remember when I've been around someone because it's heavy. But what about the people that you're around that are always grateful? There's a, there's a few folks I know I'm always going to get a hug from or see a smile from. There's a couple of folks that I know because they're always so positive. Sometimes I'm like, man, this, this is a little weird. Like they're like always happy. Don't they ever have a bad day? Like Adrio Sakwe, I love the brother. He's a brother we've, we've worked with in Mechanicsville. He's just opened up a restaurant called Soul Good. If y'all want some good food, go down there uh, right on Uver- University Avenue. It's near our offices. And, and, but he is one, you're going to see a big smile. He may not ever have met you before. He's going to walk around that counter and just give you a hug, welcome you to his restaurant. You're going to be like, what is wrong with this guy? Josh is like already like got his hand on his hip, not sure what's about to happen. But think about the people you've been around. What is Hallmark's gratitude and thanksgiving in their lives. The first point, I want to give you a couple points about gratitude. The first one, let's look at Psalm 100, verse 4. Psalm 100, verse 4. I'm going to grab somebody's water. It's not open. You've heard this verse probably. Enter his gates with what? That's not turkey and stuffing. Enter his gates. That's the first entrance way, entrance way leading us towards his presence. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Gratitude is the doorway to God's presence. Gratitude and thanksgiving is what will lead us into the entranceway, the doorway towards his presence. I'll catch myself, you know, just, I don't know when you're most prone to just kind of flip your switch in your mind and just kind of focus on the Lord. The shower, that's just where I go. I'm like, I just pray about my day coming up. And anytime I'm in the car and I'm not on the phone, that's just one of the things that my mind will just flip to. But I always catch myself, and I caught myself this week as, as I was thinking about these things. I always just say, thank you, Jesus. And I'll be honest, there were some hard days when those were the first words coming out of my mouth. It wasn't based on what was happening. But I'm just so, I, I want my heart to be in a posture of always being grateful for what Christ has done for me. And it, again, it's not based on the fact that my septic's dug up in my backyard right now, that the pump alarm went off this morning before we could even get, get out of our shower. Like, like the right stuff happens. That's just life. When you got 28 kids, like that's just life. <laughs> Septic alarm's bound to go off. But I, I just want to be in that posture of Jesus, just thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you that I'm not left to my own vices. Thank you that you've not left me in my sin. Thank you that this baby may eventually stop crying. Thank you, Lord. That's one of ours. <laughs> These are things, so it's... The natural response of gratitude being that doorway to God's presence. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. So think about what got you into the church, just the building, right? Maybe thanksgiving brought you onto the property. And praise is what got you into the sanctuary. Thanksgiving is what got you here. And most of you, you're like, Michael, you don't even understand. Like, 
I almost got divorced this morning because we were arguing over what was that. Like, I understand Sunday morning is like the devil's playground to even get you down before you even get here. But Thanksgiving, what if we had a heart attitude of saying, God, thank you for all things and in all things. And this is how I'm coming into your presence, Lord. Have you ever had, um, tried to have a conversation with someone from like multiple rooms away? You ever tried to do that? Or from outside, yelling in the window? I did this the other day. And, and Candy constantly is trying to like respond to me, but I can't hear it over the fan so we don't hear the baby. And then like all these different things that are like white noises. And it's like in multiple layers of all this. I, I can't hear a word you're saying. I have no idea what you just said. And so the same thing. I think a lot of times we try to, God, I, I want to come into this atmosphere of worship and praise and I want to come into your presence. I even want to look at you and allow my life to be transformed. But we haven't entered into it through Thanksgiving. We haven't come into it acknowledging what he has already done. And I'm not talking about in your physical life as much as I'm talking about your spiritual life. The price that he paid, the price that, of what he would endure. The Hebrews author would say that he even would endure the cross because of a joy that was set before him. I'm a firm believer. I can't prove it theologically or based on scripture, but I believe the joy that was set before him was a relationship with you and me. I believe that the joy that allowed him to go through the agony of separation from a heavenly father as a perfect person, as as someone who had not sinned, taking our sin upon him, was that there could be restoration for you and me. I think that was the joy that allowed him to continue in the plan. Now, it wasn't always easy for him to find it, but the gratitude that we show is, God, look what you have done. I want to come into your house. I don't want to talk to you two rooms away in all the airspace between us where I can't hear you and you can't hear me. Lord, I want to come into it. And so I come through Thanksgiving. And Lord, I praise you for what you've done. I, I, I thank you for what you've done, but I will praise you for who you are. And we see that in this verse that I will give thanks to him but I will praise his name. We can give thanks for what he's done, but let's not stop there. Let our gratitude lead us to reflect on who he is. Let us go into worship and to praise. God, this is who you are. Look at these good things that you have done. I am so thankful that you have preserved my life, that you have kept me from still being in in addiction or or down here and, and just wallowing in my own stupid mess. I thank you, God, for what you have brought into my life. But I praise you for who you are because this is who you are. These are the good things because you are good, because you are God. And so gratitude is the doorway into God's presence. And the second thing I want to talk about is how gratitude can bring freedom. Gratitude brings freedom. And one of the things you saw in that video about uh, youth convention, I love the DYD that we have in this state. Jeremy Austell is incredible to work with because his whole goal for a camp or a convention for our youth is just get him in God's presence. Just get him in God's presence. God will do the rest. We just got to, we got to create the atmosphere. We got to set up the the climate, let it happen to where they can get in God's presence because that's where they need to be. That's where hearts will change. That's where uh, puberty and, and all this, the chemicals will get right, right? That's where the Lord will fix all that because we can't, right? You can't reason with any, a teenager. How many of y'all got teenagers in the house? You said amen, didn't you? But in God's presence, 
If we can just get him to, to God's presence, that's where we'll find our identity. We'll see who he's created us to be. We'll find freedom. Think about this with me. If gratitude is the gateway to God's presence, and Paul says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. That means that in God's presence, not only is there fullness of joy, but through gratitude, we find his presence and we find freedom. The second Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In his presence, we find healing. We find everything that we've been searching for in this life. We find in God's presence, spiritual freedom, emotional freedom, mental freedom, physical freedom. Wholeness is found where God is. When we come into his presence through thanksgiving, we find freedom. Think about Paul and Silas uh, for a minute. You remember that, that midnight hour, right? They, were, uh, they, they cracked open the hymn books. They, they were singing some songs of praise. Does anybody remember their circumstance? They're in chains. They're arrested in jail. I've visited the jails here a few times. I've never heard anyone singing praise songs real loud. It's just not what I've heard. I've heard some other things, but not that. No one was singing, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> you give and take away. No one was singing it. Maybe in pod four where they have the focus groups, maybe. But the Lord is with Paul and Silas in such a way that even in their darkest hour, when there, we, could, we could say, oh Lord, but I didn't do anything to deserve to be here in this situation. I didn't do anything to deserve what is happening. But God, why do I find my, they could have done all that. They could have Facebook post, shown their chains, wouldn't have done nothing for them. But instead they decided I'm going to praise because he is still God and he is still good. It's not based on my circumstances because I've learned the secret that of gratitude, chains or no chains, I still know who he is. I still know who he is and he's worthy of my praise. And so while they're praising, look at this. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. This was odd. This was unique. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Thanksgiving, which takes us into God's presence, leads us to praise and brings freedom. And brings freedom. And for those guys that night, it brought freedom not only to Paul and Silas, but everyone around them. Your gratitude, your thanksgiving, your posture of being of being uh, focused and having a perspective of what God is doing in your life is going to affect people around you. Amen. It's going to break chains off their life. Yeah. It's going to bring freedom to what they're going through. Even if what they did rightly landed them where they're at, it doesn't matter. God is so much greater. And when we begin to praise Him for regardless of what we're going through, watch the freedom that comes through that. Watch what happens. I think, of, uh, I think of Jonah. You remember his story? He was told to go and preach mercy and forgiveness, right, to some people that were far from God. He did not want to go. You ever, been, uh, you ever felt like the Lord was telling you to do something you did not want to do? Jonah got on a boat and went the other way. You guys know what happened, right? The story, I don't even know if there is a fish big enough to hold a man, but in this story, that's what happened. God, God had a fish that was big enough as they threw him over to get the storm to calm, swallows him. But from the, from the pit of that fish, 
This is what Jonah decides to do. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, I will pay. Because he recognizes he is dependent upon God. Salvation belongs to you, Lord. I cannot save myself from what I've gotten myself into. And he got himself there on his own. And maybe the things you're dealing with in your life, you feel like, well, I've reaped what I've sown. But God, God still redeems. Even what we have allowed locusts to come in and eat in our lives, even what we have welcomed the enemy to do things, in our, even what our flesh has le- led us to, watch what Thanksgiving in a posture of God, I'm turning to you instead of all the other things I've turned to. And in gratitude, I'm going to thank you for who you are and what you're doing. I'm going to praise you. And it brought freedom to him, didn't it? Watch the very next verse. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now that's a perfect verse right before we eat a big meal. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah. It brought freedom to him. He's thanking God in one verse, and freedom is coming to him the next. Freedom is what we experience through gratitude. And the third thing I want to talk about today is that gratitude is a daily choice. It's something that we have to choose every day. I'm going to wrap up quickly because I hear stomachs growling. It may just be mine. Ephesians 5.20, it says this, Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I love this verse, Give thanks in what? In all circumstances. Other translations say in everything, in all things. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You ever wondered what God's will is for you? Well, here's here's a verse that tells us it's to give thanks in everything we're going through, regardless of what it may be. And I know we can't control circumstances, but we can control our attitude. We can control how we respond. We can control how we will posture ourselves regardless of what's happening in our lives. Lord, I am choosing this. I am choosing to be thankful because you are still good. You are still God. You know, this week uh, we had one of those moments where the kids, uh, it, was, it was late at night, the babies were in bed, and um, the older kids are kind of sitting there, we're around the table, and it's just led to some conversations of the deep questions. You know, some nights you just kind of go there and you're like, oh man, I don't know when it's going to end. It was one of those nights. And Ellie just had a lot of questions that she was asking. Um, and, and it had been a long day. Like, I, I, it had been a long day. It had been a 13 plus hour work day. It was just a long day. So I really, I was like, not feeling it. And I was like, oh man, not these deep ones again. But she was talking about a conversation she had had with a friend who just felt that life was unfair because she's being raised by a grandma and she's never met her dad and her mom's an addict and, and just all these things. And she's like, man, life's not fair. I look at your, your life and you've got a mom and a dad and life's fine for you and it's just not fair. And she was, in, and Ellie started to feel really guilty for coming from, from what she was coming from and, and that she lived in wholeness and, and from no choice of her own. And yet here was this other girl who, who was not experiencing that from no choice of her own. And so we began to talk about some of these things. This is life. And I said, what do you think healing would look like? I said, because it, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process for this young lady. I said, because those, those are deep-seated hurts. Those are wounds. Those are things that we can't heal with even just a few words and your friendship, which is good. But what's that going to look like 
how do we find out that even what we've come from, we can still be thankful to a good God? That even though I can't control the crappy situation I'm growing up in, that it hasn't changed God's nature and who He is. That's the hard reality sometimes of where the rubber meets the road of saying, God, regardless of what I'm going through, I'm going to choose to turn my gaze towards you and not myself or not the world or not my problems. Because if I keep staring at them, nothing's going to change. I'm just going to keep in bitter and angry and have walls up and defense mechanisms and never find healing. But that's not God's plan for me or for you. And so we start with, Lord, how do we on a daily choice choose to come to you as thankful? And, and we ended up there in our conversation with Ellie. Ellie, we all ex- will experience things in our life that are broken. Some more than others. Some really, really hard. Some situations like what I'm, I'm talking about for this young girl and, and others that maybe we brought on ourselves. We will all experience this. But this is the importance And this is where we landed in our conversation of why we come to him every day, of why I choose to have a devotional life with the Lord, of why I must take up my cross daily, of why I must choose to be thankful every day in every situation. Because Lord, I'm going to experience life and it ain't all good. And some of it I did to myself and others it did to me. But I'm going to choose to posture myself in your presence. And I'm going to come through Thanksgiving. And I'm going to come, Lord, I'm going to lay down the weights of this world. I'm going to lay down the things I've picked up of my own accord. I'm going to lay down the desires of the flesh. And I'm going to choose, Lord, to reflect on you. And I'm going to choose to still see things through a lens of your redemption and your grace. And that's not always easy. But that's what we choose to do daily. Gratitude is a daily choice. We can't control our situations or circumstances, but we can control how we choose to respond. And it'll affect those around us. It will affect those around us. And finally, I want to end with this, that choosing gratitude means letting go of some other things. Gratitude and grudges cannot coexist. One will bring death to the other. If you want to live in gratitude, we will need to let go of certain things or certain things that have happened to us or certain people. Maybe someone that treated us wrong or a situation we went through. If we hold on to that, we won't be able to receive God's grace and goodness to gratitude. You know, our timing is not always God's timing. We don't understand why things happen the way or when that they do. And, and I was, as I was thinking about that, even Jesus received a no. You remember in the garden? He's like, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, why must I go through the cross to get to what you want to do, your plan of redemption? He received a no. That's not how it's going to happen. That's not my, my way or my timing. But think about what came out of his no. Me and you. Our redemption. Our grafting in as Gentiles. The redemption of all Israel we pray for. That is all part of the plan. But it came because Jesus received a no of even something that he was asking for. Because God's good plan is in his own way and in his own timing sometimes. We talk about this uh, in our journey with, with folks that are looking at saying, I, I, I give it in my, in my premarital counseling, right? The saving your yes. And, and I'm, not, I'm not one that believes that there's only one out there for you. That, and I'm not saying polygamy. Anyways, I'm going down the wrong path here. I believe we save our yes because it is that crucial and important. And for us in caring for kids that are really going through difficult situations with what we do at Kiko or in foster care, which our family's involved in, we really believe in saving our yes. 
We believe that the Lord will ordain and guide our steps. And if we say yes to the wrong situation, we can't say yes later. So sometimes no is our most powerful weapon to say yes to God's plan later. And knowing and discerning that is what causes us to rely on His Spirit's leading and His guidance. And so I'm really a proponent of saving that yes, but sometimes it comes through a lot of no's. It comes through even a no to the, in the garden to be able to see God's best plan. And for us, it led to some yeses of some, of some little guys that are now a part of our family forever. And I think about the no that Jesus received. It led to us being a part of his heavenly family forever. That no is what resulted in our redemption. The cross wasn't aborted and the plan for you and I wasn't either. And sometimes choosing gratitude means letting go of something else. And no's can hurt in the moment, but when the hand of the Lord is in it, it's leading to something so much greater. Bruce, would you come up here? Play something real swanky, make my words sound better. (laughs) This week I had an opportunity to sit down with someone that I needed to ask forgiveness from. And it was one of those things that, man, I could have played the cards. We both probably did some things wrong in the relationship. And I hurt him here while I was in this church as a pastor. But I knew in order for me to move on, and I don't know what part he's still holding on to, if at all, but I knew I needed to meet with him and own my part of it and apologize and and express regret and remorse. How many of you know your pastors are still human too? And I think when we say, follow me as I follow Christ, it doesn't mean watch how I do everything perfect, but it means even when I fall, watch how I get back up and I keep going after Jesus. And so this was a moment for me to learn some lessons that I did last year in 2020 wrong and glean from it and say, Lord, still teach me. Here I am. I want your grace. I want to walk in humility. Lord, teach me. But there's some things that we have to let go of sometimes, some unforgiveness, some bitterness, some whatever it may be that will hold us back from experience God's goodness through gratitude. So I don't know what you're facing, but I know the Lord wants you to come into his presence. I know he wants you to find freedom. I know he wants you to fulfill everything that he desires and ordained for you to fulfill. And it's not based on your circumstances. It's based on his call in your life. And it's going to come in through a, through a crashing wave of gratitude as our Lord, I'm praying that this morning you would just give us spiritual eyes and ears to hear. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, I'm just praying that today hasn't just been words that would fall on deaf ears, but Lord, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to do something greater than even the things I've said or shared. Would you usher us into your presence and through a posture of gratitude, we would be able to release some things that we've held on to for years. Would there be past hurts that we would be, begin to allow you to peer into that we've guarded so tightly and allow healing to come in? Lord, I'm praying for freedom in this place. Lord, I believe when we look to you, addictions are broken, past decisions that we can't see redemption's hand in. Lord, we can begin to see you at work again. Because Lord, look at who you are. You are still God. You are still sovereign. You are still in control. We are man and we are not. If you're here this morning and you would say, Michael, I just want uh, you to pray for me this week. I am going through some things that are really difficult and I just, what you've said or what you've not said, I just know the Lord is dealing with me and I just want some prayer this week. If that's what you would say, would you just raise your hands? 
No one looking around. Would you just raise your hand that I can be praying with you this week? Okay. Anybody at all? Lord, I thank you for those that are here. Lord, we just thank you, God, that it is your goodness, it is your kindness that leads us towards transformation. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance. Lord, we thank you that we can embrace whatever may come because of those you have brought into our lives through your people, through your body, and ultimately because we're dependent upon you. So Lord, in this place, as we go back to workplaces or join family this week or wherever it may be, Lord, would you allow our gratitude to rub off on others? Would you allow the freedom that we have experienced to infiltrate other people's lives as well? Those that are far from you, those that need to find freedom. So Lord, we exalt your name in all things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.